Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, welcome. I am very pleased to have Kristen Wilson here with us. She's a co-founder and co-owner of Action Potential Physical Therapy in Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and she's also the editor-in-chief now of Impact Magazine of the private practice section of the American Physical Therapy Association. I'm Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor, and your host for the Focus Forward Business Podcast. Um, and it really is an honor and a privilege to have you here, Kristen. I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to do this. Thanks. Sturdy, awesome. Thank you so much. I, I'm an avid podcast listener. It's the first time I've ever been a guest on one, so I'm, I'm really pretty excited. Thank you. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, that's overdue, but, um, <laughs> but welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, so will you please tell the viewers, listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I kind of look at myself in three different buckets. So I've got my day job, my professional PT hat, and then I've got my, uh, what I call my social job. So my day job, uh, like you mentioned, I'm co-owner of Action Potential Physical Therapy with Kathy Dixon. Um, we are an outpatient one-on-one -on -one physical therapy clinic with two locations in Glen Mills and Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, which is about 30 minutes southwest of Philadelphia area. And, um, you know, if I, I counter that with my professional PT hat, um, I'm an adjunct professor at a local university in their PT department. And then, like you mentioned, um, I, I have to say, I'm not editor-in-chief yet. In four days, I'll be editor-in-chief. So right now, currently the assistant editor uh, for oh. Impact, since our, our term will start in um, November. So really excited about that. Um, but then there's probably my most important job, my social job. Um, I am a wife of a physical therapist, in fact, and uh, a mom of three boys, 11, nine, and almost seven. Um, and then certainly uh, <laughs> super grateful to have a really fantastic group of friends and family, you know, which as I'm sure you would agree during, you know, the year of 2020 is absolutely necessary. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a lot, a lot, a lot to juggle. Um, we'll get into a little bit more of that in a minute. Um, but first, before we do that, tell me how you got started in business. What was your first business? Well, uh, so what's interesting, I, I think kind of what's fascinating about my business story is that I am, was never in outpatient physical therapy. I was an inpatient stroke therapist. So out of physical therapy school, I started at an inpatient hospital nearby and um, became a stroke specialist there, worked there for nine years until my first son was born. During my time at that hospital, I met my now business partner, Kathy. And, um, you know, after my first son was born, they told me at the hospital, I wasn't able to come back to work part-time. I could only come back full-time or per diem, and I really needed to have that stable salary. So I started thinking about, okay, what could I do here to, you know, get my professional needs met, but also my role of being a mom met and started thinking outside the box, approached Kathy and said, hey, listen, you know, I'm thinking that maybe we could do this on an outpatient basis and create a clinic that specialized in neurology, geriatrics and amputee treatment. And so we opened in 2011 with this niche practice that was meant to be an outpatient neuro, geriatric and amputee mm -hmm. practice. Um, and what we found as, you know, this can open up a whole can of worms if we want to go down that path was um, the hospital systems in our area outside of Philadelphia really had a stronghold on the outpatient treatment of those patient populations. And so we had to really think nimbly in those first couple of years and we ended up shifting into, um, you know, our niche being one on one physical therapy on an outpatient basis for a variety of different conditions. 
So, um, you know, we, we made that transition and now are more of a traditional outpatient, but, you know, certainly my story isn't that interesting, but what I do think is more interesting is kind of looking at that evolution of going from, I literally had never even submitted a charge as a physical therapist working in a hospital. I mean, I, had, I knew nothing about business and, you know, my dad is an entrepreneur and Kathy and I were really, Kathy's dad is an entrepreneur and we were looking at each other like, what the heck? Are we going to do? We have no idea what we're doing. And I think what I really um, take to heart from that experience is the importance of resources and kind of access to resources. And during that, those early couple months, I found that there were so many resources at my disposal that were provided by PPS as well as some other leaders within the industry. So, you know, certainly we wrote our business plan. I used the how to how to write a or how to be a physical therapy business owner from the PPS manual. Mm -hmm. Uh, to write that, um, you know, we went to a Rick Owenda seminar, learned what charges were and how to submit, you know, CPT codes and ICD-9 at the time codes. Um, you know, we, I read Impact cover to cover um, and just tried to get everything out of it I could. And I remember one day I opened Impact and right on the front page was the editor's picture and it was Jeff Ostrowski who mm -hmm. lives in my area. And I thought, well, he can't be a bad guy if he's an Impact. So I reached out and kind of cold called him and said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a business. Will you mentor me? And uh, he took, took us under his wing and really helped us get our feet. And, and I think what it really did, this whole process of this resource gathering, it gave me such an appreciation for the wonderful network that we as physical therapists share. I mean, we have so many tools. We have so many wonderful people in our profession. And I just, I think it's so cool to be in a profession where everybody is just really passionate about what they do and they want it to, to work. And so I think that's that's kind of my better story about the history of where I am is just kind of this appreciation for understanding that I would have never gotten here had I not had the support of other PT owners. So your point is well taken. This podcast is about you know sharing resources and, and I, I couldn't agree more that it's so necessary. Well, I mean, the only thing I would comment on that other than it's a great, great story is that's true. I found that to be true in all kinds of businesses. Um, the irony is that it seems that the busier the person is, the more notoriety, the bigger, whatever, you know, sometimes they are, the easier it is to access them. Um, and they tend to be very generous in giving of their time. So if you're stuck, especially at the early stages or at any stage, reaching out to somebody, you know, it, it often, it is very often successful. You'd be surprised at how often um, people are willing to help each other out. Um, so I, yeah, I that's a, more. that's a, but that's a huge deal that I don't think enough people really appreciate. So thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's cool. Um, so you told us how you decided to start the, <laughs> your business. Um, do you wish you had done anything differently in the beginning? I'm going to wait until my, my, uh, dishwasher in the background there is going to stop rumbling. You can tell like this, this whole COVID working from home and <laughs> Let's see when the dog's going to start barking. My kids will walk in the door. Anyway, um, do I wish I would have done anything differently? Uh, there is one thing, Sturdy, that I think I was really slow to embrace. And um, in, in some ways, I think it's kind of a larger metaphor. You know, I tend to look at things from this little philosophical perspective, and I know you do too, so maybe, maybe you'll appreciate this answer. But, 
you know, when we first started, we, like I said, we didn't know what we were doing. So we really looked at like all these business books or, you know, guides to figure out like, what's the right way to do it? What's the business way to do things? And so we wrote our mission statement and we had our values and we felt like we really had a good foundation. And we, we created what we thought was our identity in our business. And so for, for a couple of years, you know, we really used that as our identity. And what we started to find out was that while those things told our story, it didn't really fully show who we were. And hmm. who we were was this awesome team, because at this point we had grown to a couple different team members in different areas, who, was, who were really dedicated to our clients. Um, you know, we were smart in being nimble in the community and in, in the business world. But most importantly, out of all of those things, we were really weird, we were really quirky. So we had this fun, quirky element that we couldn't capture in like our mission, vision and values well enough. Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to say a curse word on your podcast? <laughs> sure. Or is this, this like censored? This is, this is adult. You're this good. is the HBO version. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, the, you know, one of my uh, greatest um, colleagues who I've worked with my, literally my entire career, she moved from the hospital system with us when we opened our practice. She has over 25 mm -hmm. years of experience as PT. She's a phenomenal therapist. She always had this saying where when patients would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this works. Like physical therapy is awesome. She'd be like, yeah, this shit works. This shit works. <laughs> and so we would always joke, we're like, gosh, I wish we could make a t-shirt that said physical therapy, this shit works. And then put our logo on it. And this was, you know, we would joke about this for years and years and years. And finally I turned to Kathy and I was like, why don't we make that a t-shirt? Like what is holding us back? That's who we are. Right. And you know, the obvious answer is, well, it'll offend someone, blah, blah, blah. And, and kind of what we came back to was, well, if that offends you, then you pro probably shouldn't come to us for physical therapy because that's who we are. And that's, you, know, you will hear that when you're at therapy, likely, in obviously a professional context. And so what we did was we printed the shirts. We made our This Shit Works you know, shirt and, and we made the eye a little dumbbell. So it, it, it's a sweet, awesome shirt. And we got such great feedback from our clients about it because they were like, Oh, that's so you. I can't believe that you were able to, you know, capture that in a shirt. And so the credit, of course, goes to my colleague, Lori, for the phrase. But oh, and it's copywritten, by the way, all you PTs out there. <laughs> but what I, what I loved about it is um, that it really was kind of more this metaphor for, you know, kind of, you know, my evolution as a person, Kathy's evolution as a person, our evolution as a business that really we felt like we had really achieved success or, or felt like we were on the path to success when we really were comfortable with embracing who we were and what we could do and, and really championing, championing our own strengths. And that felt so good. It felt great. That is such an important point and one that so many people shy away from. Um, Dave Rendell's made most of his career around this. His first book was The Freak Factor. Um, Stan Phelps and Dave wrote a book called Think Goldfish. And it's there, there are things in it I really like them, you know, because there are tactical things in it around this very thing. Taking that thing that makes you different and accentuating it, exaggerating it, you know, dialing it up. Um, how else do people really know who you are? And that runs very counter to a lot. I was about to say just our, our education, but it's not just school and education. It's also the cultures. Um, in so many different groups and professions, right? If you're outside the norm, then you're at a conference, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> you're not ostracized perhaps, but you're looked at a little weird, right? You're not accepted with some folks because you're, you're bucking the status quo, right? You're not following along with the crowd. 
but that's a huge one too. I mean, school tries to make us normal, right? Shore up your weaknesses. And if you do that, I love this. If you do that, the most you can ever hope for is mediocrity. Okay. And if you're really, in order to be excellent, like taking those things that people say are unique or different or weird about you, you excellence by its definition is a form of deviance. And I love that because if you take that and dial that, dial that shit up, right, you're going to be um, noticeable, you know, remarkable, so worthy of talking about. And I think the other part That's of that cool. too, Sturdy, that you've mentioned is, you know, school, school's job isn't really to build unique characters, right? It's to create a foundation, <laughs> right? Like in school, you get the foundation and you learn what are the basics that are necessary. It's then taking that and understanding where can I excel and not excel in skills, but excel in myself, right? What, what can I bring yeah, I of myself that builds upon that foundation? So yeah, I mean, when you go to any physical therapist, you're going to get a concrete foundation of similar skills, but each person, whether they're PT, a lawyer, accountant, whatever it is, is going to bring a certain set of their own uniqueness. And I think the more challenging part isn't probably identifying what your strengths are, but not being afraid yes. to know that some people might not like it. And I think that's that part about like, you know, this shit works t-shirt. Like there are people that don't like that shirt. They think that mm -hmm. it's offensive or not professional and that's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And it took us a while to understand that, you know, sometimes your own strengths might be someone else's weakness um, and, and that's okay too. And, and not, again, not to say that there's any reason to be unprofessional or, or disrespectful by any well, means. Right. It's not gratuitous, right? You're doing it because that fits with the theme and who you are. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And, and your conference part, I just have to just follow back on for a second. You know, going uh -oh. to a conference is so intimidating because you don't know what you're getting, right? And if you don't have, you know, I remember going to my first PPS concert, concert, <laughs> conference, and I walked in, I had no, I didn't know, I knew one person there. I knew Jeff Ostrowski from his picture on the inside cover of Impact Magazine, practically. I didn't know anyone. And so you walk into the, the conference and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm an outsider anyway. Even if I look exactly the same and say the same phrases and use the same cliche attributes, I don't know anybody. I feel so out of it. Um, and it's taken a while to understand that, you know, it's okay to, to be the different person or to have a different mindset. And, and I actually really am gravitate towards people that do that. I think it's yeah. an incredible sign of strength. Cool. Thank you. That's, that's a big, big one. Um, so Kristen, we're all busy, right? And we, and our culture tends to kind of glorify being busy and busyness. Um, you're obviously busy taking on the editor role, uh, three kids, you know, business. There's probably other stuff we don't know about too, but what advice would you give a business owner who's struggling with not having enough time? You know, Sturdy, I think that's a great question. And, and here's, here's the answer. And, and I want to preface this by saying in no way, shape or form, and I, am I belittling someone's sense of busy? Okay. But I think one of the greatest um, pieces of advice I ever got on this topic, it was actually from my husband. And he said, you need to reframe the issue. Everybody's busy and everybody's busy is the busiest that they can be. And, you know, there's always enough time for the things that you need to make happen. And I, I thought that was a really clever way to look at it. And so my first step in kind of shifting that mindset was, you know, when you go to a cocktail party or you go out to like your kid's sporting event and you see somebody, you're like, oh, what have you been up to? And they're like, oh, I'm so busy. 
well, I started to realize everybody says that. It's just like the, the catchphrase, I'm so busy. So I, I actually eradicated that from my vocabulary because when you say constantly, I'm so busy, you're essentially reinforcing in your mind right. that you don't have time for the things that matter when all of us really truly do have time for the things that matter. So I, I think the best way that I can answer it is, is, is that way. Try to shift your mindset because you're right. There's always going to be a thousand things on the to-do list. There's always going to be all these balls that you need to juggle, but there's always way to make time for that. Now, if you ask me the strategic approach to that, mm -hmm. my two ways that I manage my time are, um, I use the David Allen getting things done methodology, which mm -hmm. has been incredibly helpful for me. Looks at, you know, 5,000, 5, sorry, 50,000 view, 40,000 view, roles and purposes, all it kind of breaks everything down. And then there's a great app that goes along with that called OmniFocus. So I use that to just kind of manage that high level stuff. And then I am an old school um, to-do list person. So it's actually sitting right here. Here's my day's to-do list. I make one every single day. And then I prioritize it by what are the, the things that are most, most important for that day. Um, and I will write everything on there. Like, you know, read with the kids, do the laundry, um, you know, edit impact, whatever it is. Um, I put, I try to make those things all on my list so that I can hierarchically organize them because I know that I can get to the most important things. And then the things that are less important, they're down on the list and I just have to carve out time later. So it's not a great answer. Um, but I think. Kristen, that was, that was a great answer because what you're drawing out there is the prioritization piece. We all can, and we do, we brainstorm these lists and we put up with the stuff down, whether we do it daily, weekly or whenever, and it just seems sometimes overwhelming. But if you take that next step of what you can do, um, I, I do a couple other steps, but that's prioritizing what's important. And then there will, there will and may be things that you don't get to. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, I, I, when I teach at, um, at the university, we talk about, you know, going in and doing an eval, right? And as a student, you think that when you go into that eval, you've got to get all that information, right? Because you've got to document it. <laughs> got to go right. in the EMR. And so people are like lunatics and they like don't even say hello to the patient or make eye contact because they're trying to like take range of motion measurements and they're crazy. And so what I teach the students is, listen, there's always another day. Right. Do, your job during that eval is to um, make them come back another day. So when I look at, you know, my to-do list, my job is to get the things done that have to be done, but there's always another day. And there's some things that are just, they just trump productivity. And that's things like spending time with the family. You know, mm -hmm. last night I hosted a birthday dinner for my husband that took way priority over anything else on my to-do list. So I think it's about, like you said, understanding the hierarchy um, mm -hmm. and being comfortable knowing that, you know, if you don't get your to-do list done, you're still, you're still a good person. You're still a good human. <laughs> <laughs> it will be there tomorrow too. It'll be there right? tomorrow. I assure you that <laughs> 100%. Cool. Um, so this is another one of part of that sharing thing. Um, you know, business in business, there are problems, there are challenges every day. And, and we sometimes will look at somebody who's farther down the road or doing something different and think, oh, their life is all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and butterflies and stuff. So what, what challenges, what problems are you kind of facing or dealing with in your business today? Um, I had to laugh when I was thinking about this. Um, my answer is the same as Stacey Menzies. So clearly yeah. we share a brain when we're editing and apparently we share a brain in business as well. But um, I, I absolutely think that the, the thing that as a business person I'm struggling the most with is understanding how to properly forecast financials. Mm. Um, and I will say 
two resources that have been incredibly um, helpful with this are um, my peer-to-peer -peer group and my peer-to-peer -peer network, um, which has really worked together to help you know, teach each other how to do that. And then my course field has put together some great resources to help um, do that. And then, you know, he did a little bit of one-on-one -on -one counseling with me. And that was so helpful in just being able to sit down and say like, okay, here I am cash flow tight after COVID. How can <laughs> I look ahead? Um, and, and, you know, his suggestion was, you just need to know your break even. You need to understand what your break even is and then understand your profit. I'm sorry, your revenue to expense ratio. And so when I broke things down that way, it was so much more helpful, but still something I continue to struggle with. But I will say, Sturdy, I want to share one um, that was really surprising. And this was an issue, a problem that I, we were facing. And we've come to like a pretty good resolution from it. And it's, I thought okay. it was so unique that I'm hoping you don't mind if I share two. No, no, not at all. Um, I, so, you know, COVID has been happening for what, this past seven months. And, you know, early on, everybody was so in it. And, you know, Kathy and I are blocking and tackling. We're literally trying to keep the doors open, pay, figure out mm -hmm. who we're furloughing, all these like crazy decisions. <clears throat> and we get to October and our whole staff is back whole. And we're like, yes, okay, we survived. We're doing things like this is great. And I just assumed that, you know, we had weathered the storm relatively well, <laughs> right? I mean, here we are, we're all back full time. The doors are still open. We had just opened our second location two weeks before COVID. It didn't burn down. Like things, you know, we're okay. Well, within the course of three days, every single one of our staff members, team members, pulled either Kathy or myself aside to discuss the fact that there was a major culture issue in the company. Unbeknownst to us, they had e they were each having their own issue with feeling like there was competition between the offices or feeling like the communication had broken down, feeling like Kathy and I weren't accessible as leaders because they were afraid to stress us out because they were so fearful of putting too much more on our plate. So it was this really beautiful um, juxtaposition to where Kathy and I were like, yes, we're doing awesome. To <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Our whole team is falling apart. And I honestly, Kathy tells me this and we both just literally start crying. We're like, what are, what are we gonna do? Like, we thought things were okay. And here it's actually worse now than it was back in March and April when like the proverbial shit was literally hitting the fan. And so it just was so shocking to me, Sturdy, to see how long it took for everybody to ride that wave and crash at different points. Right. And the fact that here we were seven months, six months, seven months later after this happened and everybody crashed at the same time. And hmm. so what we did was we had an uh, you know, an emergency, not, not, you know, a very immediate team meeting. We called it a pep sure. rally. We got everybody together and we addressed all of the issues that had been brought to our attention. We made a little bit of uh, staffing shift with leadership to put one of us in each clinic. And um, we, just, we just offered an opportunity for everyone to be heard. And then we uh -huh. closed the meeting by creating some element of predictability. Because I think that's what it was that had everybody so up in arms was we've been maneuvering for so long that people felt like there wasn't a clear path. And so what we did was we set a path. And we said, here's what you can predict for the rest of 2020, because this year has been a cluster F of impredictability. So let me yeah. give you three months of predictability so that you can at least ride this through. And it was a really awesome lesson for Kathy and I to understand that like, 
while we felt like we had things in control, we needed to make sure that everybody felt in control. And so by sharing that predictability, it really right-sized the ship. And so in one 40 minute meeting, we went from what felt like, oh my God, this is the end of our business yes. to yeah, it's a disaster to honestly like a hoorah pep rally where everybody was like practically hugging when well distant socially distance hugging when we left so it was it was a really cool um experience and I, I was really grateful to have gone through that cool well and that's that's so cool that you would say that too Kristen is I'm really grateful to have gone through it because we don't I don't think we always look at the challenges and the the things that fall apart but I mean everybody listening to this is a problem solver right they, they you're in business, you solve problems. So these things happen, they will happen. When there's a problem, it's an opportunity to step up and do the thing that you do really well. Um, yeah, that's, I love the attitude too, that's cool. So here's another one, and maybe maybe this is the answer, or that was the answer to this, but what's been your proudest moment in your business? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's another hard question. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it up into, you know, I have my, my three buckets of, of who I am. I'm going to break it up into three proudest moments. Cause if you ask me my okay. favorite song, I can't give you one. Like it depends on my mood, <laughs> it, you know, what time of day it is. So I, it's hard for me to pick a proudest moment, but I can probably break it down into three. So if I had to say my proudest action potential moment, mm -hmm. um, this is a little bit of a silly one, but, um, my business is in the hometown I grew up in and, okay. um, in our third year of business, we started a, a fundraiser 5k. And we do a Thanksgiving day turkey trot and it's hosted at my high school, the high school I went to. And we um, have grown this race over the past eight years to last year was 850 racers. So it's a pretty cool size race now. And we make a pretty sizable donation to charity, which always feels great. But what's awesome is um, the first time that we had a certified racetrack, um, the, the race starts by running up the driveway of my high school and it's an uphill driveway. Mm -hmm. And so the race goes off. We have about 700 people that are doing the race that year. And, you know, I, I'm standing there like doing the air horn and like shouting and cheering and everybody runs by and I turn, oh God, I'm gonna get emotional. I turn and I look up the driveway of the high school that I went to in the town that I love supporting the business that I founded. And I see 700 people wearing my shirt. And it just like took my breath away. It took my breath away. And I was so proud, not for me, but just the fact that the community had rallied. And it was such a cool feeling. It was such a cool feeling to be standing there on my high school graduation spot and watching all these people wearing my shirt. It was so cool. Sorry, don't no, mind the tears. That's great. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right, it. I'll do my PPS one, which is my professional one. Um, I, was, I was really humbled and asked to do a Graham speech mm -hmm. at uh, the Graham sessions. And, um, you know, that in and of itself could be the proudest moment, but um, certainly if anyone has seen the speech or heard it, uh, it was a very difficult moment for me because it was very personal. And um, what was so cool about that speech and why I'm so proud of it is um, I stood up there and, you know, I just finished reading Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. Uh -huh. And she talks about being vulnerable and like, you know, not understanding, you know, how people are going to judge you, but still having the confidence to stand up and be yourself. And I did that during that speech, kind of in a, this no holds barred fashion of like, well, this is either going to be the beginning or the end. And, <laughs> and the feedback that I got afterwards was so heartwarming um, in terms of um, the appreciation for having shared such a vulnerable experience. 
Um, and I was really very proud that, that, now that one I can say I was very proud of myself for being able to stand up there and do that in, in a room for anyone who hasn't been to Graham Sessions. It's so scary. It's a room of really high powered, amazing thinkers and brilliant minds. And to stand up there and like literally like vomit your soul onto the stage in front of like everyone who thinks big thoughts was, was an incredible, incredibly humbling and vulnerable experience. So that was, that would be my, my professional moment. Cool. Thanks. That's awesome. I, I, I got to share my mom moment. Okay. And then I'll be done with this. I'm a very, <laughs> I, I, and <laughs> I'm such an emotional person. You're probably like, oh God, I hope no one ever asks her on a podcast again. No. Um, <laughs> my, my proudest mom moment is, um, this one's a little bit silly, but my, all three of my boys independently while at school, when asked what they wanted to be when they grew up, all three boys said they wanted to be a physical therapist. Really? Yeah, all three. And they have totally different personalities totally different. Um, and what I think is so cool and why I'm so proud about this is not because like, oh, great, you want to like be like your mom. It's that they see the lifestyle of what a physical therapist provides, meaning the caring nature, the professional diligence, the, the um, acting on behalf of society. And they really see that and they embrace that. And I thought that was such a cool thing. Like, gosh, not, I, I, and I think our profession is the greatest profession on the planet. Um, but to see each of my three kids with each of their completely different personalities and strengths understand the importance of what our profession does for this for society was such a cool thing. That is cool. Thanks for sharing that one too. Very cool. Um, so here's another one for you, another maybe lesson that you can share. Um, I know successful people are always learning and always, you know, trying to be better at whatever, whatever whatever it is they do. But so what's the biggest thing you've learned recently that you wish you had learned 10 years ago? You know, Sri, that's a hard one. Um, I'm gonna, I think, I think one that, and, and I kind of already sh shared about this a little bit with regards mm -hmm. to kind of our process with um, the business. But I think the one thing that has really resonated with me in the past year is being comfortable with um, who you are and understanding that um, when you're comfortable with who you are and, and how you feel and how you treat people and, and understanding kind of this comfort with who you've become, it's mm -hmm. a really um, rewarding feeling to, um, to just be able to sit comfortably in your skin. And I think part of what has made that evolution very, um, lengthy for me and and I'm kind of speaking to some of the women in the audience that have also been kind of wearing that dual hat of like mom and business person is when you constantly have to change between two very important hats when you're and especially when your kids are younger it's very hard to find an identity because you're trying to wear hats that in some cases can be very conflicting and and there's always outside forces, you know, there's, there's other moms that are telling you, you need to be a better mom. And, you know, you miss the Halloween parade and, you know, you know, I, I was at PPS one year and I wasn't there for the Halloween parade and my kid's costume broke and I was the worst mom ever. And then, you know, then you've got like the business ear of, you know, seeing all of these young or similarly aged male counterparts whose businesses are growing so much faster because they're able to focus more on their business instead of having to wear these two hats. So there's these very strange juxtapositions that pull you in different directions. And I never felt like I knew where I was. 
And so having that ability to really find out who I was and what I needed um, was such a, a great lesson. And I think if I had to summarize all of that diatribe into one sentence, it would be, you know, being true to yourself and meeting your needs first. Because if I meet my needs first, and, and that's not meant to sound selfish, it's really just meant to say, if I meet my needs first, I am that much better to everybody else around me. And I can't meet my needs unless I know what I need. So it was really this big process I've been going through of figuring out what are my needs, who am I, and, and how can I use those to make me better in all areas? Well, it's kind of, it's the cliche, but it's the airplane, put your own mask on first. Yes. Right, if you don't, you can't, you gotta, and that, that's a huge one, for, I think for all business owners too, um, is taking care of yourself, your mental and physical well-being, you know, so that you can then be that person that serves and leads and takes care of your staff, your team, your customers, your family. Um, because without, yeah, it, yeah, the wheels can come off, <laughs> right? Quickly, quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and the other, the other thing, Sturdy, is I feel like, you know, as, as any business owner, you're, you're constantly looking for resources and feedback and, uh -huh. and guidance. And sometimes I remember in the past, I would read something and be like, oh, you know, you should get up and wake up early every morning and journal for 30 minutes and then do the hardest work that you have. Well, I'm not an early riser. So when I tried to right. do that, it was, it was a brutal failure. And I was like, God, I'm never going to make it in the business world. I can't do this get up at 5 a.m. thing. And then I realized, well, if I sleep in and then do my best work from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. like that's I'm still cool like that's great I can still do that exactly and it's 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 taking all of these little pieces and then understanding okay well yeah that's all great information but what do I need and how can I use these to my benefit well, if we if <laughs> Kristen if we all did all the advice if we did everything that people tell us there would be no time to like eat right honest I mean, to god Honest to God, I, I like started journaling and I would get stressed out. Oh my God, I didn't journal today. I'm like, wait, why am I stressed out about journaling? That's like the antithesis of journaling. Right, right. I, well, and I, what I found too is one of the things around advice and one of the reasons I like this experience here, and I, I learned that in my days in EO, um, is people will take your experiences for what they are and, and kind of filter and use what they can or, you know, it's it's not telling somebody, directing somebody what they ought to be doing versus when we ask for advice, most of the time, you know, most of the time we get told what to do. But then beyond that, we get told basically whatever worked for that person. Right. And that's one of those things that as a coach, I've really learned not to do, share experiences, but your context, your situation, your goals, where you want to go, everything's different. So if something worked for me, that's great. I'll share it, but I'm not going to tell you that's the only path or the only thing you can do, you know. And and I think that's so important for all of us as, you know, taking that coaching mentality into our businesses as leaders as well, because your staff, your team, your customers, your patients, same thing, right? And I mean, you're talking about your kids; they're all different personalities. Mine too. What worked for me, growing up, you know, in the '70s and '80s may not be the best thing for a different personality here, you know, in 2020. So, um, yeah, we got to figure that stuff out together, not, not just direct and tell. Um, so that, that's another wonderful point. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you've already dropped a couple titles, but are there any other business books that are like your favorites that stand out that you um, would recommend for reading for folks? 
Yeah, I mean, my goodness, uh, picking a favorite business book is like picking a favorite child. That one's a hard, that one's a hard <laughs> one because like you, you can, said, I like the smorgasbord. You don't have to pick one. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like a smorgasbord. I like to like sample yeah. from each little thing. So, you know, a couple that I've loved, um, Traction. I learned a lot about organization of meetings through that. And Kathy and I utilize that, uh, utilize that strategy a lot for our quarterly strategic meetings. Conversational capacity, that's taught me a lot about direct and non-confrontational communication. I mentioned Daring Greatly, which I think is mm -hmm. a must for anybody. Um, and I just started, I'm literally one page in to um, Annie Duke's Thinking and Bets. So it's making decisions oh, yeah. in the face of uncertainty and what better than 2020 to try and you know make some sense of uncertainty. But, you know, um, I, I often look for other sources of business inspiration. And one book that I really love in particular, maybe you've heard it. It's not a bestseller. Um, it is the book Little Blue Truck by Alice Shirtle. It's a children's board book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have to say, um, I that book really resonated with me from a business perspective. So I'll just give you a quick summary. Uh, yeah, I do. Blue Truck. Do you know this book? No, no, no. Oh I've my got, gosh, this is this is my favorite. I've got three other children's books that are great management books too. Do you do <laughs> you, is is one of them giraffes can't dance? No. Oh, that's no, my other favorite I one. Bet that's going to be like the side you got open. All right, you got to you got to look up both of those. So, little okay. blue truck is this really adorable little blue truck, and he drives along the road and he says hi to all his friends along the way, and all his friends love him, and you know he's kind of driving through the countryside. And all of a sudden, this humongous dump truck comes barreling down. He's honking his horn, blowing off all the animals, and he ends up getting stuck in this huge mud pile. And he's like, you know, the dump truck is like, help me, help me. And all the animals are like, you know, F off, buddy. Like, you just blew by us and didn't give us, pay us any mind. And sure enough, you turn the page, and a little blue truck puts his way into the, the mud pile and starts pushing the dump truck out. And he can't do it, the dump truck's too big. So all the other little animals come and they push the little blue truck who then pushes the dump truck and they get the guy out and the dump truck turns and says, you know, um, it's amazing what you can do when you have good support and good friends. And I thought that was such a cool business metaphor because here we are in PT, we're so easy to say all the, you know, the dump trucks that are coming through, you know, payment reform, uh, hospital systems, whatever it is, you know, consolidating PT companies, and we're always quick to, you know, judge and judge and judge. But really, if we all stick together, we can definitely overcome these challenges. And not only that, but we're going to make the best of it. And I think it really speaks to the importance in our organization. And, and one of the frustrations I see right now in the PT profession is that there's a lot of fragmentation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so disheartening because here we are, this, this profession that helps people and binds people together, empowers people. But instead, right now, we're casting stones at each other and using our energies to kind of bifurcate in some ways. And I'd love to see that we start to really work together as a community um, and, and help to really empower each other even more. I think there's definitely some factions that do that already, but I wanna see it even more. Um, because I think that you know the dump truck is only as scary as we let it be. When the rest of us are all there kind of pushing it along, we're gonna be okay, we'll be fine. And then we'll all pile in the little blue truck and we'll sail off to, you know, PT heaven, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> cool. So that's cool. my vote. That's my vote for best business book. <laughs> I love it. No, that's a good one to add to the add to the list. All right, cool. Um, before we wrap up, any other thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, this has been a lot of fun, Sturdy. I really appreciate it. Oh. I um, I think my only closing thought would be um, kind of just a little call to action. 
people listening, mm. like, hey, if you have ideas, get involved in something, whatever it is, because I guess kind of echoing my previous sentiment, I think when we all work together and when we all kind of chip in, we're gonna to start to see that things are gonna make a change positively, whether that's in our profession or in the society, whatever, whatever it is, we're in a tough spot right now in 2020 across the globe. And I think we can easily raise our voices in anger or we can easily be cantankerous about things, but I think we'll be far more productive and far more satisfied when we get involved and help each other to succeed, um, however that may look. So I guess that's my closing thoughts is, I just hope that people listening, you know, maybe maybe share that same sentiment because I, I'm looking forward to turning the page on this year and instead embracing this really great opportunity for um, kind of building up everyone around us. Cool, thank you very much for that. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed having the conversation. So thanks Kristen for being here. Sturdy, it's been great. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care. Thank you for listening.